Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. That's good. Well, like I said, a warm welcome. We haven't met yet. Uh, my name is Jono, and it's a pleasure to, to welcome you along to church today. A warm welcome online. Uh, if you're streaming in, if you're not able to be in the room with us, we miss you. Uh, but we're so glad that, that you could be with us uh, here today as well. Hey, uh, today what I really want to do is, is who's been enjoying our What Works series? Yeah, we've been in this What Works series for uh, the last, oh, maybe it's almost five weeks now. Maybe uh, this might be our fifth week. And really we're looking at this idea of uh, practices of our faith. Really looking at this idea of uh, what works, that there are ways of life that work, we all know, and there are ways of life that don't work. Maybe we all know that even more. Uh, and, and kind of the idea of what can we learn from the way of Jesus? What can we learn from the practices of Jesus that help us to build a life of, uh, of flourishing? That help us to build a life of, at, at least if nothing else, life is going to, circumstances are going to come and go, but at least we're doing things in, in a way that, that works. Uh, and in particular, the last two Sundays, this is the third Sunday, I've been looking at, at, at this idea of, of Sabbath, Right? Sabbath, not, not kind of as a day off, but, but as an intentional day of, of slowing down, an intentional practice of slowing down and even stopping. And, and, and really, if I was to recap the last two weeks, we've talked about resting and resisting. We've talked about the fact that, that there is a rhythm in all of us, that God made the world in a rhythm, in a six in one, that there is a time for work and that work is good, but there is also a time for rest. And this idea of resisting, that we live in a day and age, in a culture, maybe it's even innate in the human heart, of always wanting more. That we're never quite satisfied. That we always want something else, a little bit more. That there's always one more thing, and once we have that, we'll feel satisfied, but it never quite happens. And so today, I really, I want to round out this, this idea of, of Sabbath, at least for now, with the idea of rejoicing. Rest, resist, rejoice. Why don't you bow your heads with me one more time, and, uh, and we'll pray. God, we thank you uh, for our time together as we come into this room on this Sunday. God, that, that, I pray that these would not just be ideas, that they would not just be even good ideas, but that you would speak. God, that your word would go out, that it would land in our hearts, that, that we would be encouraged, that we would be built up, that, that where we need to, that we would be called into the life that you have for us, that, that maybe where we have destructive ways of doing things, destructive habits, destructive outlooks, you would bring clarity to that, that we could put them down and embrace what you might have for us. God, that today we, we would be built up, that today your peace would be within us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so you may remember for the last few weeks, we've been coming back to, to Genesis 2. Right? And, and Genesis 2 is, is important in particular because it's, it's where God rests at the end of the creation account. It's the first time in the Bible that this idea of Sabbath, this word of Sabbath or Shabbat is used. And, and, and it says, though, just before the, the verses that we've been reading in Genesis 2, in Genesis 1, as God finishes creating, that God saw all that he had made and it was very good. You know, this, this word good that's, that's used in that passage there in Genesis 1.31 is the Hebrew word tov, and it can also be translated as beautiful. You know, I, I don't know if you've thought about this this week or, or if you've had the moment. I've found as I stop, as I rest, as I create space for God, one of the things that I'm, I'm most often reminded of and my attention is brought to is just how beautiful the world is. 
One of my favorite things to do on, on Sabbath or really any day is to, to get out into some sort of form of nature, somewhere where I'm just not surrounded by kind of a concrete jungle, or there is a beauty in that as well. But, but get out into something of, of, of God's creation and just be reminded about what He's made. Take that moment to, to look afresh, to see things for, for, for a, maybe not the first time, but to see things in a new way. I, I could put it this way. Hey, we've got any parents in the room? All right, and so then by default, you're also all flan, uh, fans of the best TV show of all time, Bluey, right? You knew where I was going with that? Yeah, you're like, yeah, yeah, we, we agree, right? If you are yet to be exposed to Bluey, uh, then we are equipping you for life through faith in Jesus Christ and watching the best TV show of all time, Bluey, right? We are a Bluey church. Uh, but uh, th there's an episode of Bluey, I can't remember which one it is, but uh, it, it, there's a moment in, in which I won't go through the whole thing, right? I could, I really could. I'm that passionate about it. It goes, Jesus, then Bluey. Uh, that's not quite true. Uh, but there's an episode in, in which the, the kids in the show uh, are kind of looking at, at things in the garden and they find a leaf and they bring the leaf to their dad and their dad is looking at the leaf with them, but there's a moment where he looks at the leaf in a fresh way where he holds the leaf up to the sun and he sees the, the sun start to shine through the leaf and he sees the individual little bits in the leaf. And, and the episode kind of finishes with, with him standing in the backyard just staring at this leaf and the kids asking their mom, like, what's dad doing? And she's like, don't worry about it. And I related to that moment, right? Because there are moments in life where I'm standing in the garden just looking at a leaf and the kids are like, mom, what's dad doing? And he has to be like, look, kids, just don't worry. He's just, he's just looking at leaves. But there's something beautiful in creation when we stop to, to look, when we take the time to, to realize. Uh, even today, as we reflect on and, and embrace Maori culture, I'm, remembered of, I'm, I'm reminded of the innate beauty that God puts in people and His world. But, but as, as much as I'm reminded of the beauty of the world, I'm also often reminded that life isn't always easy. That even to take today as an example, as we celebrate Māori culture and language, we also reflect on the reality that, that today Hotel Māori was, was almost lost because of persecution. That there is both beauty in the world, but there is also brokenness, and that there is beauty in us and brokenness in us, that we live in a beautiful and broken world. That, that life can be hard, that life can be ugly, that as Jesus said himself in John 16, 33, in this world you will have trouble. That the unfortunate reality is that trouble and with it pain and sorrow is inevitable. That no matter how healthy, wealthy, or wise we might be, we all have trouble. That as Ecclesiastes says, time and chance happen to us all. But then on the flip side of that, Jesus also says that sorrow isn't the whole story. Jesus also says, I have told you this so that my joy may be complete in you, that your joy may be complete. John 15, 11, other translations say that your joy may overflow. Right? And I think it's, it's, a, it's an interesting way to live to try and hold these two ideas in tension, isn't it? It's easy about, oh, the world is all broken and horrible, or, oh, the world is all good, and just to, to ignore either side, but to live somewhere in the middle that says, hey, it's not as we want it to be, but there's a bunch that is worth celebrating is a tension to maintain. And, and I think God is calling us to, to joy. Jesus is describing that, that, that joy, that feeling that you have when, when you're just you're so, so filled with joy that you can't contain it, that it spills out in, in a song or a dance or a clap or, or maybe for us here in Aotearoa, maybe just like a, like a stoic fist in the air. You know what I mean? Anyone do that? Like, I'm, just, I'm, so, I'm so excited. <laughs> I feel like we related on a heart level there. 
See, Jesus' desire is that we experience that kind of joy. What I want to talk about today, though, is, is, is that the problem is that sorrow is inevitable in life, but joy is not. And I don't mean that in like a pessimistic, let's, let's get down in the dumps and, 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 and let's feel bad about ourselves sort of way. And please don't stop listening there, right? If you're in the room, stay engaged. If you're online, this is a bad time to go and get a cup of tea, right? Or what did Jono talk about on Sunday? He talked about the fact that pain is inevitable and sorrow is everywhere. And then we played some My Chemical Romance and it was a good day, right? It's not what we're about. We, I mean, some My, my Chemical, anyway, doesn't matter. It's interesting, in Scripture, this, this word joy, it comes across that, that sorrow comes with or without permission. That sorrow comes into life whether we want it to or not, but that joy we, we have to or we get to choose and keep choosing over and over again. In, in fact, in Scripture, the word joy is, is translated as both a noun, which is joy, but also as, as a verb, which we translate in the English as rejoice, but, but really in, in, in the original language, it's, it's more accurately conveyed as to joy, to be joyful. In the Bible, in fact, it kind of tells us that joy is three things, and, and all of these things, I think, ring true for us. It tells us that, first of all, joy is a feeling. You know, I think in, in church, sometimes we make the, the, the distinction between joy and happiness. And I get, I get what we're doing, right? We're like, oh, joy is, joy is something that you choose and happiness is a feeling. We might not always feel happy, but we can always be joyful. And, and, and I'll speak to that in a moment. But the reality is, is that when we do a word study in the Bible, joy and happiness are used pretty much interchangeably. That there is a moment in life in which when things are going as we feel that they should be, we feel joyful. That we feel like, man, this is, this is how life should be. That there is a joy that goes beyond our circumstances, sure. But there is also a joy that we experience when life is as it should be. That, that feeling in your body when all is, is well. But joy is not just that. Joy is also a condition or a, or a character trait. Because joy is not just a feeling that comes and goes. It's, it's also the type of person that we can become through following Jesus. Right in Galatians 5, we're, we're told that joy is the second fruit of the Spirit directly after, after love. In, in classical language, joy is a virtue, something that, that like wisdom or courage or fortitude that we can develop, which is why joy is also a discipline. Because there are times when joy is easy, when it's the natural emotional response to what's happening in life, like on your wedding day, or, or you'd hope, right? If you're not joyful on your wedding day, it's a larger conversation for a, a later day with like 30 hours in that day. Or, or maybe it's joy when you receive good news or, or, or a beautiful sunny day, but there are also times when joy is active, when joy isn't something that you feel, but it's a discipline to turn your heart towards the good. I'll, I'll land this and I'll unpack where we're going in a minute, but I wanted to set the scene and, and, and to, to finish setting the scene with, with this quote. If you turn your eyes to the screen, this is a quote from Richard Foster. And he says this, The decision to set the mind on the higher things of life is an act of the will. Right? We see an echo of Philippians 4.8 there. That is why celebration is a discipline. It is not something that falls on our heads. It is the result of, conscious, of a consciously chosen way of thinking and living. Let me think, where is all this going? What, is it, what does this have to do with Sabbath? See, so far in this looking at Sabbath, we've, we've looked at the idea of slowing down and resting. Right? We looked at the idea that, that there is a rhythm in all of us. We've looked at this idea of resisting the innate nature of the world, of wanting more, more, more. We could put it this way. We've looked at what Sabbath helps us not to do. Yeah? 
Sabbath helps us not to rush. It helps us not to be enslaved to empire, and those are good things. But, but Sabbath is super important, and not just because of what it helps us not to do, but because of what it helps us to do. Does that make sense? Sabbath is not just about not doing things. It's not just a day to, to sit on our hands and try and abstain from anything and, and hope that we make it through it. That's what it was turned into by people that didn't understand what it was meant to be in the Old Testament. But Sabbath is not only a healthy rhythm, of, of a healthy rhythm and an act of resistance. I, I want to suggest that Sabbath can also be a discipline of celebration by which we become people who are full of joy like our God. I want to repeat that. Sabbath is not only a healthy rhythm or an act of resistance. Sabbath can be a discipline of celebration by which we become people of joy. That's what I want to talk about today. How do we become people of joy through Sabbath? Would anyone like to know? Yeah, I'm glad you asked because that's what I've got the rest of my notes about, right? If you have your Bibles, turn with me uh, to Genesis chapter, chapter 2. But again, this time we're actually going to start at that verse that I mentioned, uh, chapter 1, verse 31. If jumping between chapters is confusing to you, it'll be up on the screen, uh, and, and we can do that. But this is Genesis 1, 31 through to 2, verse 3. It says this, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. That's that word beautiful, right? Tov. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. Now starting chapter 2, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested. He Sabbathed, he Shabbat from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Right now, now as we know, these last couple of weeks, we know that this word rested is, is Shabbat in Hebrew, and it can literally mean to stop or to rest. But another translation is, is to say that God delighted in all his work. See, the idea here is God rests isn't that God was tired or that God was burnt out from all that he'd been doing. It, it's more that, that feeling you get after a long, hard day of working in the garden. Does anyone have a garden here in Canterbury with a garden city? Yeah. I, I, there's this beautiful moment. I don't know if you've experienced. If you haven't, I, I really encourage. I find that being in the garden, doing something like that on Sabbath is a beautiful practice. But that moment where you mow the lawns and, and, and maybe you turn over the veggie patch and, and you pull out the weeds and you put everything that was disordered into a right state and it's cleaned up and it's beautiful and you're finished and you sit back and you enjoy it. That's that feeling of, of Shabbat, of delighting, of resting in a job well done. It's that moment, uh, that moment, maybe you're at work and, and you've got a team and you've been working on a project for however many months and you finally finish it, right? It's been pushed out once, twice, three times. Finally, it's done. You land it and, and, and you pull the team together and you have a party and you celebrate and you're like, this is, we have done this. This is good. It is a job well done. Something didn't exist or something was broken and we formed something. We completed something together. That's the feeling of, of Sabbath. It's a blessed feeling. In fact, notice that, that God blessed the Sabbath day and the word there, I think this is my last Hebrew word for today, is the word barak. To, to barak can be translated to bless, but it can also be translated to make happy. See, this idea of Sabbath, as we talk about resting, of rhythm, of, of rest is resistance. Sabbath is a blessed day. It's a holy day, but it's also a happy day. Yeah. See, I want to drive this point home that Sabbath isn't, that resting isn't just about what you don't do, but it's what, about what you are doing. 
that creating space and time to delight and to reflect and to rejoice in God's very good and God's beautiful creation is, is essential. Because I don't know if you've found it, but it's, it's so easy to lose sight of how much goodness is in our life, isn't it? In fact, neuroscientists would tell us that we have a, a bias in our minds to, to select the, the bad over the good at a rate of 14 to 1. It means for every good thing you see, your brain is going to automatically notice about 14 bad things. Because that's a good way of surviving, right? It's a good way of noticing, hey, that's a pretty sunrise, but also there's a lion over there. And so don't look at the sunrise for too long or else you're going to end up as dinner, yeah, and, and so it's great being able to spot the negative things against the positive when we're trying to survive, when you're avoiding lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, right? But it, it's not so helpful in our modern day and age when we're not avoiding lions and tigers and bears. And, but in fact, what happens, I find, is this inbuilt bias that we have in us that has protected us maybe previously is, is something that creates black dogs, that puts us in downward spirals in which we notice the bad in life more than we notice the good and that if we're not careful, it puts us on a certain train of thinking, a certain way of seeing the world that can be destructive. See, on the Sabbath, we have an opportunity to create space to remember and thank God, to enjoy, not just to have fun, but to enjoy God, to stop and realize the moments that he's been in every day in which he's been faithful to bring our presence back to the lives that we're living. Martha Dawn in her book, Keeping the Sabbath Holy, which with, if you're interested in, in kind of this idea is another fantastic book, says this. This is a long quote, but I think she says it more beautifully than, than, than I could ever. She says, observing the Sabbath gives us the opportunity to be as careful as we can to fill our lives with beauty and to share beauty with the world around us. When we observe a day especially set apart for beauty, all the rest of life is made more beautiful. As I spend the day reflecting on the character of God, I am overwhelmed by His love for me. As I feast upon His goodness in all its beautiful forms, I realize more profoundly that I am a special part of His creation and designed especially for His purposes in a uniquely beautiful way. See, to kind of round out this moment that we've been in, I want to make sure that we realize that Sabbath is, is not just a, a dreary religious duty. It's, it's not just a thing that we have to do. It's not just something of, oh, you need to rest or else you're going to end up into being a, a bitter and twisted person. But it's a day of giving delight. It's a life-giving day. I love this quote from Tim Keller. He says, we need the Sabbath to feed our souls with beauty. That God made a good world that God made a beautiful world. But just because there is goodness in the world does not mean that we will see it, does not mean that we will celebrate it, that sorrow is inevitable in life, but joy is not. And so the gift of Sabbath is an opportunity to foster joy, that we need the Sabbath to feed our souls with, with beauty. Now, I don't know if you've, if you've tried to, to Sabbath yet. Maybe you've managed to do it for, for an hour, for a day, somewhere in between. But, but as you've tried to do it, I, I wonder if you've found that Sabbath doesn't automatically turn into a day of delight. If you create space for God, space for rest, space for slowing down, it's not automatically joyful. 
It's not automatically. In, in fact, sometimes it's, it's the opposite. Sometimes it gets hard, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But, but what I wanted to point out was a few things that I think that we can do, and this won't be long because I want to create space for us to celebrate together after the service by sharing food. And I'll speak about that in a moment as well. But a few practical things we can do as we round out this idea of Sabbath, as we Sabbath, as we rest, to help to foster joy. The first one, if you're taking notes, is simply to, to slow down. And I know I'm repeating myself here, but it's worth repeating because hurry and joy are incompatible. No one has ever had a good time running out the door like a headless chicken, right? Delight demands, joy demands that we slow down and that we savor the goodness of each moment. Number two, and again, I'm repeating myself here, but I hope it, it gets something entrenched in our heart, is be intentional. Creating a space for joy, for, for delight, requires us to say no to some things. Again, to quote Marva Dawn, she says, we don't know how to feast because we don't know how to fast. We don't know how to feast because we don't know how to fast, meaning we don't know how to savor each bite of food because we overeat all week long. Meaning we don't know how to, how to enjoy a good film, a moment of rest and enjoyment because we binge watch TV every night of the week. We don't know how to enjoy deep and profound relationships because we're overly busy moving through life next to each other but never fully connecting. That there needs to be a saying no to something in life often to actually say yes to the things that matter. That in this series, we're suggesting, hey, we don't want to dump more on your plate. We don't want to give you more things to do, but maybe there are some things that we can put down, that we can simplify, that we can remove from our life that would result in joy. See, part of Sabbath is learning how to slow down our overall life, to live with moderation during the week in order to turn Sabbath into a celebration. And finally, and this is the point I want to land on today, give yourself to joy. I think a great question to ask yourself is, what could I do that would bring me joy in God? This is a great idea. Psychologists have a label for, for when you save up a bunch of things that you love doing for one special day. They call it pleasure stacking. Yeah, that, that moment where maybe it's a, a birthday or a, or a holiday or an anniversary and you just you pull together your perfect day. You think about all the things that you would like to do, the way that you would like to start the day, what you'd like to have for breakfast, the activities you might like to do, the, the things throughout the day, the day that you want to, the way you want to end your day, and you do them all in one day, everything that is beautiful in one place, this idea of pleasure stacking. I want to say that Sabbath is a day for pleasure stacking. In our house, we have pancakes every Friday morning. Our Sabbath kind of starts, uh, I, I finish early uh, on a Thursday, and I pick the kids up at about 2 o'clock uh, from daycare, and we go to a park, uh, and we just enjoy the park. We just play for as many hours as the kids will let me, and they're like, Dad, it's time to stop playing on the playground equipment. 100 pull-ups today is just, that's a new best. You're an incredible man. Uh, let's go home, right? And so we go home. Uh, and and we, we put the kids to bed, and then Friday morning, we wake up, and Friday morning is pancake breakfast every Friday. We wake up and we have pancakes and it's, it's something that the kids look forward to every day of the week. Like it's, we, we count as coming up to pancake day and moving away from pancake day, right? Ollie's got in a little bit more complex. He's got his long days at daycare, his short days at daycare, Sunday, church day and pancake day. That's how he measures the days of the week, yeah? And, and, and pancake day is something that, that he, he looks forward to, that they look forward to every day of the week. We stack pleasure and it wouldn't be the same if we had pancakes every morning and we could. 
We could have pancakes every morning for breakfast. We, it's, it's entirely within the realm of possibility, but we're making something special. And if we did have pancakes every morning, we'd be robbing ourselves of, of that delight. You know, there are all sorts of kind of practical, traditional Sabbath activities that you can adopt to facilitate joy, to create delight. A, a few to suggest. You can practice gratitude. Take a moment in the day just to slow down, to stop, to intentionally focus on what we have. There may be things that you need or want or lack, and, and we're not ignoring those. But in this moment, focus on what we have and what we're thankful for. And as a result, realize just how rich our life is. I've already mentioned this, but again, it's just something that I think is, is so helpful. Get out in nature. Get somewhere beautiful, something that, that as Tim Keller says, feeds your soul with beauty. From, from forest trails to, to the beach, a place in which you can simply walk or sit and be, in which you can observe the beauty of the world, in which you can, can hear the chorus of creation calling out to the Creator that it is good, that it is beautiful, that, that He is amazing. You can, and, and this is only if you're married and, and over 18, but there is a, an instruction. You're like, well, what is only if you're 18, right? Like leaning in. Now we're paying proper attention. There's a command in the Talmud, which is a traditional Jewish teaching, that, that every Sabbath make love to your spouse. Some people are like, babe, we, we should Sabbath. We, how, many, how, many times a, how many times a week? Is too many times a week to Sabbath. Can we, I'm Sabbathing. Can we Sabbath? Anyway, we won't. We'll stop there, right? Pump the brakes continue on. There's just another thing you can, right? You can practice gratitude for the fact that on the Sabbath, you can get out in nature. Maybe don't mix two and three, get out in nature. Anyway, moving forward. You can bring out the worst in me, you lot. You can play sport, you can get exercise. For some of you, that's far from restful. But for some of you, getting moving and playing brings, brings real life. But, but whatever it is, find something in your life. Find something in the way that you live that you can intentionally do on Sabbath that brings delight, that brings joy in God. And, and I want to finish with special attention to, to something that we're trying to create a bit of a taster for after the service today, and that is the Sabbath meal. You know, there's this idea in, in Jewish tradition of the, the Sabbath meal in, in a Jewish home, which is often on a Friday night, and it's kind of being incorporated into classical Christianity. It's the, the Sunday afternoon kind of meal after church, and, and both are great, but there's this idea of a Sabbath meal. And for me, maybe the first time that I experienced this in, in my life in a real way was, was when Em and I started dating, and her family just had a Sunday lunch. Every Sunday, she's from a big family, so there's like five or six siblings and, and their partners and, and their kids, and, and all of us basically had kind of, M's family was the only family in the city, and so we'd all just, just get into M's family's house, and we'd just show up after church, and, and it would just be a feast. Em and I were students, and so it was by far and away the best meal that we had that week, right? Like sometimes I would just try and pack in as much as I could, because I'm like, I don't have to eat for at least two days afterwards. And there would be, like, you know when it's a good meal when there's multiple different types of meat? Does anyone know what I mean? Like, you've got some roast lamb, but you've also got some ham, and, and if it's a good day, like some chicken and some seafood, you're like, this is the best, and we would come together, and we would feast together, and we would talk, and, and we would talk for long enough that it would go beyond the niceties of just like, oh, how was your week, and what's going on, to, to talking about the mundane stuff, talking about the trivial stuff, getting to the point where you talk so much, you didn't really want to talk anymore, and you just sit around. Someone would fall asleep. Well, that's fine. We can nap. Like, it's turning into a nap now. And it would, just, it would just kind of go out throughout the day, and it was this beautiful moment of just enjoying being together. 
in Te Ao Māori, there's, there's a concept that you may have heard called manakitanga, which loosely translates to hospitality, but it's, it's really broader than that. It's bigger than that. The, the best definition that, that I can speak to, and, and by far I'm, I'm not an expert in anything Te Ao Māori, but it's the idea of giving support or care using food as a vehicle. It's not about the food. The food's important, but, but the food serves a purpose. The food is a way, the hospitality is a way of making people know, of making people feel that, that they are cared for, that they are valued, that there is a space in the home and at the table for them. And, and I think this idea of manakitanga, that so well speaks to this idea of a Sabbath meal. Because I know for, for some of us, when we hear this idea of a Sabbath meal, we get dread in the pit of our stomach. That like if you were having people around to your house on a Sunday after church, you would be stressing about what you're going to make and, and how you're going to get the house tidy from like Wednesday. It would not be restful for you. It would inject a whole lot of stress into your week. And as a result, you're like, I just can't do that. I want to say that, that I want to give you the opportunity to relieve yourself of that burden. That Sabbath meal is not about a perfect meal. It's about delighting in each other. That you can delight over rolls and a hot chicken from the supermarket, that you can delight over fish and chips, that you can delight over toasties and a cup of tea as the house is a mess because it's not about embracing this Western worldview of, hey, look, we've got it all together and things are all perfect and, and don't worry about me and my facade, but it's about, hey, welcome into my actual, lived, real life. Can we join together? Can we live in real community in the midst of our messiness? Can you come in? And if I've got a stack of dishes, can you help me with the dishes? Can we live life together? It's the choice to stop and to delight in each other and in doing so, delight in God. And so I'd encourage you today as we share food together, resolve to think about how something like this can become a habit for you. Friends over for a Sabbath meal on a regular basis, be it Sunday lunchtime or Saturday evenings or whenever it might land that it would work for you. And I'd encourage you, don't wait for it to get easy. You know, to speak to, to my current moment, and I'm, I'm almost done, as a parent of small children who seem to laugh at the idea of me resting, it takes some creativity. There's not as much space in my life as I'd like to sit about and ponder, but I get the temptation to say something like, oh, when the kids are a bit bigger. But if we're honest, that'll probably turn into, oh, when the kids have left home, which will turn into, oh, when work's a bit quieter. And I just think there'll never be a perfect time, but that the right time is always right now. As we Sabbath together, whatever that looks like. And for us right now, it's, it's park on a Thursday, and then we get through dinner and bath time, pancake breakfast, some sort of family adventure and a movie night. It's embracing what we've got. It's stacking pleasure. It's taking time to rest and to reflect and to resist. But I believe as we do this as families, I believe as I as a father do this, we're building a foundation, a healthy rhythm that will be a deep well for, for decades to come. That one of the best things that I can do as a dad is to pass on an emotional, relational, and spiritual heritage to my children. And it's my prayer that my, my kids would look back at Sabbath as some of the best memories of their life. A day every week, and I pray it's every day, but at least one day every week in which I am fully present to them. In which I am there with them, in which I'm off my phone. My best self is a gift to them and is a gift and a reflection of a loving God. And I want to acknowledge it's not simple. There'll be pushback because we're wrestling with the spirit of our age of busyness and rush, but I believe that it's a way that works, that there is life here. 
that there is joy and that we need joy. I'm done as, as the rest of the band comes up. We need joy because sadness will come. As I mentioned at the start, joy isn't inevitable, but unfortunately I found sorrow is. Troubles come in life. The reality is, is that sometimes even Sabbath comes in a season of life that's full of a lot of sadness. Other times, perhaps because of the busyness of life, be it overwork or overactivity during the previous six days, on the moment that we get to rest on the Sabbath, we crash. Our, our nervous systems go into withdrawal and our body is just in a slump. We're like, man, I, I wish I never stopped. I feel worse for stopping. I don't know if anyone's ever experienced this. You get to like a holiday. You're like, yeah, a holiday, and you get sick. Could it be that your body's trying to tell you something that maybe you need to rest more, that maybe as we incorporate a rhythm, something happens? And, and sometimes on a Sabbath, when we have space, I found that in that space, the feelings that we're running from the entire week catch up to us. The things that we've been avoiding thinking about and feeling catch up to us. As John Mark Comer calls it, we experience Sabbath sadness. But the key in these moments, I think, isn't to try and fight Sabbath sadness or, or let it discourage you or, or think that Sabbath isn't working, but to let it pass over you like a wave. Jesus' desire isn't for us to bypass our pain or to get stuck in it, but to go through it. And in time, come out the other side. See, delight is not the denial of pain. I believe delight is the determination to move through pain courageously and honestly and patiently into joy. Which is why I think that God knows what He's doing when Sabbath comes every seven days to remind us of the goodness of our life with God in all of the seasons of our life, including the ones that don't feel very good. Isn't it a gift that Sabbath could come at the end of a great week and at the end of a lousy one? That Sabbath, that rest comes when we've finished our to-do list and when we're woefully behind, that it comes in summer and in winter, that it comes when all is well and it comes when life is falling apart to remind us that it's okay if we're not okay. That in those seasons of the dark night, in those seasons where our prayers are unanswered, in the seasons where our dreams feel over, in those seasons where we feel God's absence more than His presence, Sabbath comes and with it a sense of peace and trust in God despite our circumstances, not because of them teaching us to delight and even be happy in all of the seasons of our life. Or as Paul says in Philippians 4 verse 4, to rejoice in the Lord always. Look, I'm done. But to recap, we don't have to do anything. Right in the room today, online, however you might be engaging with this word, God's love isn't contingent on whether we rest or not. God's affection for us isn't based on whether we Sabbath or whether we don't. We could be as hectic as ever and He, he still loves us, but there is an invitation to join Jesus in His way, to walk with Him, to work with Him, to follow His rhythm of work and rest, to join Him in His unforced rhythms of, of grace and find rest for our souls. In life, there's a time for everything. There's a time to work, to sweat, to fast and lament, but there's also a time to stop, to rest, to feast, and to delight. There is a way that works to Sabbath, to rest, to resist, and to rejoice. 
And so today to conclude this, this look at Sabbath before we go and, and enjoy each other's company and feast together, I wonder if you'd take a moment to sit with God, to wait on Him. It's been my prayer across these last couple of weeks that God has been speaking to you, that we would not leave this, this moment of reflecting on how we live, on talking about ways that work the same, because I think we've all got ways in which maybe we've been intending to do things and things have slipped or, or we've been doing the right thing, but we can bring intention to it or, or we realize actually the way that I've been living my life has been destructive and I need to make some changes, but, but that we would leave equipped. Our prayer is that because you are a part of this community, you are better able to live the life that God is calling you to live. So just as you bow your heads, as you close your eyes, all I'm gonna do is give you the gift of time. Just a few moments to sit and to reflect, to ask God, where are you inviting me to join you? In rest, in resistance, in rejoicing. this room just for a few seconds longer. why not ways in which it doesn't work that's fine you don't have to answer them now just hold on to maybe what you feel like God's dropping in your heart hey there's a way that works there's a way of living life there's some changes that I can make God has life for me his yoke is easy his burden is light I can walk with him I can make changes I have agency I can respond rest. I don't have to be so hurried. I can resist. More will not bring me satisfaction. And I can rejoice. Sorrow may be inevitable, but I can choose joy. And throughout the seasons of life, I can live in such a way that I turn my attention to the good. God, as we're here today, gathered as your people in this room online, we know that we're broken but we also know we're beautiful God that you made us good and yet we can choose ways that can seem so destructive so today as we come as your people we ask would you help us to make changes no matter how big or how small that would bring life in which we would turn our attention towards you your ways, that we would walk with you, we would become more who you call us to be, that we would be transformed, that we could bring blessing and life to our families, to our workplaces, to our friends, to our city, that ultimately we could dare to dream that we would not be the only ones who live rested 
but that through living from a place of rest, we could invite others to a life-giving relationship with you in which they could live from a place of rest, in which we could see societies, cities, nations transformed, no longer rushed, no longer looking to things that disappoint to validate us, but realizing that we are loved. Just in this moment, as it's you and God, as heads are bowed, as eyes are closed. In a second, we're gonna finish with a song of praise. We're gonna practice rejoicing. But before we do, if you're in this room today and you've heard me speaking of this, this God who invites us to rest, you heard me speaking of, of the way of Jesus, this way that is unhurried, this way that we believe is a way of life and, and you don't know what I'm talking about or, or maybe you've heard it before, but, but you feel like these are ideas to you, not a lived out reality in which you trust. In a moment, I'm gonna invite you to pray a prayer. The prayer isn't special in and of itself, but, but it's a moment that we can reflect on to say, I'm choosing to trust in something beyond myself. To rest, we realize that it's not about what we get done, but it's about the fact that there is a God bigger than us in whom we can rest. So today, if you're here and you know that you've got no one to rest in beyond yourself, to, to put it as simply as I can, that you are your own God, that you define right and wrong, and that you are the one who needs to bring everything back to right. You don't have to leave this room. You don't have to finish today in that same place. You can choose to start trusting God. So in a moment, I'm gonna invite you to pray a prayer with me. But just before I do, in the room online, if, if you know that, that you wanna make a decision, that you wanna have a moment that you can look back on and say, that was the day that I, I chose for the first time or afresh to, to trust in God. A milestone for you, a memorial. Just heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you'd like to pray this prayer with me, we'd love to support you in that prayer. And so I just invite you in a few seconds to raise your hand just so I can know who I'm praying this prayer with and so that we can know as a church who we can continue to support in this journey of following after God. Online, if that's you today and you'd like to pray this prayer, you'd like us to support you, you can flick us a message on social media or an email, however you might get in touch with us. We'd love to know. His heads are bowed, his eyes are closed. If you're here and you say, Jono, I feel like I've been trying to rest in myself and today I wanna rest in a God bigger than me. I don't understand all of what this is, but, but I wanna start this journey of believing in something more than me, anchoring my soul in something beyond me. If that's you, can you just raise your hand up nice and high and just let me know right now that I can be praying with you. Awesome, I see the hand. Others here today online, if that's you, why don't you just let us know one more time if you'd raise your hand. Awesome, awesome. Church, you repeat these, these words after me. Jesus, today I choose to follow you. Thank you that you have a way and that you invite me to your way. So today I choose to follow you. I love you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.